Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. My name is John McDonald. This episode's guest is Byron Shard, President and CEO of Shard Development. His company is a Vancouver-based urban real estate developer with a long history of building in Vancouver Island's capital region. With a storied career including handling Lehman Brothers files with Ernst & Young after the 2008 financial crisis, to leading a successful organization in an extremely competitive field. Byron stops by to talk family business, leadership, housing affordability, and a whole lot more. Our conversation starts now. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me, John. Uh, my name is Byron Chard. I am the CEO and president of Chard Development. Uh, we are a Vancouver-based uh, developer who has uh, been around now in operations for 27 years. Uh, my father started the company um, 27 years ago, and he started as a fee-for-service uh, business. And so his goal when, when creating Chard was, one, he never wanted to work with, um, he wanted to be his own boss. Uh, and number two is that he want, wanted to ensure that all bills were paid on time and, and really hold relationships to the highest integrity. Uh, and that is really what we stand by even today. And so Dave started to develop in Victoria approximately 17 years ago now um, and really made the, the jump from being a fee-for-service to being our own developer um, due to the vision and seeing the opportunity of Victoria. Uh, he was definitely ahead of his time uh, when saying that the baby boomers were coming in, in downtown. Um, and when doing his first property there, it was definitely on the fringe. And we still buy under that philosophy again today. Uh, we buy on urban fringe is what I like to call it. Um, and it is ultimately trying to build out the city and has continued the investment into downtown Victoria. Uh, and we've obviously over the last five years really expanded into Vancouver as well. Uh, and so over the past decade, Dave was doing, my father, uh, approximately one or two projects at a time. Uh, we're now on our 12th project in downtown Victoria, um, as well as we've expanded quite a bit into Vancouver. So we have a total of 10 projects on the go. Uh, we have about 1.5 million square feet of uh, development from rental to affordable to social housing uh, to office and to hotels. Uh, we have a staff team of now 30 um, individuals. Uh, we are based in Vancouver. Our sales team in, is based in Victoria, um, but otherwise we are very familiar with the BC ferries um, uh, going back and forth. But uh, one of the main reasons of um, really the staple of Victoria and why we're drawn there is the people. Um, it is a great city. Uh, people are so invested into it uh, and we continue to really be are true believers of downtown Victoria. That is awesome, and I really appreciate uh, you flushing that out. I want to ask you just quickly to the fee-for-service side of things. Would that be like a strict construction manager now? That's that's kind of how you guys got started? That's correct. So uh, he was engaged to build out MEC stores across Canada, as well as Zellers. Uh, and so that was manage the process from the city side, essentially owner's rep, um, when these companies did not have development experience in-house. Uh, and most of these companies now have their own individuals who manage the city process. Um, one of the jokes I always like to make is the reason why I have a job is because the city makes it so challenging uh, to get through and get approvals. And, and so it's uh, a little ironic, I think. Um, and that's why I sit here today, uh, having a job of building uh, and, and building the communities and the homes that we do. 
So, but no, that is what fee for service is. It's more of engagement compared to now we're owners. Um, and so these are our, our properties that we stand behind instead of being uh, on a, a fee and engagement service. Cool. Oh, I appreciate you, you clearing that up. Um, you answered a couple of the questions really nicely about kind of what you guys saw on the island. I don't know if you can speak, were you involved in the company when it started investing on the island? No, uh, I was not directly involved, although osmosis in our family definitely brought me into it. Uh, so hearing all the stories and um, and hearing the, the business deals and the works in the background, I, I think it did actually resonate with me more than I thought it was probably uh, doing. But no, I joined the company around eight years ago. Uh, so my background is I am an accountant. Um, and so I went to Western uh, Richard Ivy Business School, uh, worked for Ernst & Young for two years. During that time, I was sent down to Dallas. Uh, I, Lehman Brothers had just collapsed. A lot of their real estate funds had been sold off to this group uh, based in Dallas. And I was privileged to be put on that file and valuating those assets. Um, it was grueling hours, um, but a fantastic experience. Nothing I would take back. Um, I think my father knew it was a really good experience for me. And he, as I phoned and complained about my long hours and he kind of slapped me across the face of what are you complaining about? This is awesome. Um, and uh, uh, just joking on the slap. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then I came back to Vancouver, worked for another developer for a few years uh, and then I made the jump over to the family company. So that's a bit of my background. I'm an accountant. I, I'm a financial individual, but that's also where I uh, helped really grow chart. Wow. That's so cool. And even like you said, mentioned the Lehman Brothers. I mean, that's like a pivotal North American global economy project to be a part of and to have such a granular look at, I guess, I don't know what the inner workings or the failings, perhaps. Um, that's really, it's really it, impressive. It was humbling. Um, of We and of so many people, you look at real estate and it's, uh, you can't go wrong. Um, and it continues to go up. It's a great long-term investment and I still truly believe it is. Um, but there's blips. Uh, and it's about how you manage and how you run your company. Uh, development is not uh, for the faint of heart. It is a very risky industry that we're in. Uh, there's many dynamics and, and, and facets of the industry. And that's why I love it. Um, but we deal, I, my day is, um, I never know what I'm walking into in the day. I still have my to-do list from this morning on the side of my desk because I never got to it because uh, of different items. But I get to the privilege of dealing with neighbors, with community, to uh, large institutions with banks, of financing it, down to the interior designs of what's our backsplash, what is that going to feel like, uh, to talking to the mayor, to um, then dealing with our investors, our purchasers. Like It's just such a diverse um, day that we get to deal with. It's awesome. I love it. Um, and ultimately, we get to build communities, and it's a tangible asset at the end of the day. Yeah, it's incredibly fulfilling uh, to, to have that level of stimulation and it's so such a, yeah, a rare opportunity. Um, I wanted just to quickly jump uh, back a little bit to the looking at the island. You guys have been building here for, for quite some time. What do you see as kind of like is the future for Shard on the island? Have you looked at other communities like Nanaimo or the Comox Valley? Or are you pretty happy with kind of where you're at in Victoria and some of the, the, the I'm sure there's a lot of other opportunities there. So. Uh, yes, we always look, um, we always stay educated. Um, and yes, we will be making jumps to other uh, municipalities as well. Uh, but for us, it is about absorption. Risk is a major factor on the island. 
Um, we never, one, I never want to cannibalize our own sales. Um, and so what I mean by that is I never want one project to hinder another one of our projects from our sale. Uh, I think the best quality that we bring to the table for our purchasers is trust and reliability um, of that we have never not delivered a project um, or never even delayed a construction start. Um, and that is the trust when you're going to purchase with chard. Uh, and so that we don't take for granted. Um, and so for the, and that's why I say, I don't want to compete against ourselves on that front because that is a true competitive advantage uh, that I, we have in the marketplace is that we deliver. And that also means though we don't want to um, pull ourselves too thin to not uh, be able to execute on that. Um, and we work with fantastic uh, consultants and sub trades and, and different groups of individuals um, to build these projects, to design them. Uh, and so I also want to make sure that they have the capacity to make sure they're handling the projects appropriately. So for us, it's a capacity item um, and, and making sure we deliver uh, and looking at the market of what is our competitive advantage. Um, and one of the things I always like to um, underwrite too. So underwrite when we go buy a property, we, we run the financials. We always underwrite with affordability. Uh, there's always an affordability metric that we put into our pro forma. So, um, and, and kick out to how are we actually designing? It. Um, and that's really important. That's what I think makes us unique. Um, with, with all due respect to the other developers, it is easy in, in retrospect to go and design and finance a condo a higher-end condo. Um, what gives me my thrills is being able to do the vivids, the havens, the how are we doing a really unique structure and delivering on that housing continuum? Because it's not easy. Um, but we've had the privilege to be able to have great partners to be able to structure that and work with lenders and including BC Housing uh, quite a bit. Yeah, well, and it's interesting too. I, don't, I didn't look super deep on all of the projects, but the fact that you have units for sale what we see quite a bit is purpose-built rentals, a whole bunch of that popping up. Um, was there a particular, have you guys gone down that road before or is it something that you guys are just, you talked about your competitive advantage, building the, the affordable homes, is that kind of a niche that you're, you're happy to stick in? I, well, actually 60% of my, so I, I have 1600 homes right now in our pipeline, 60% uh, of those are rental. Okay. Um, so, but mostly right now my rentals are in Vancouver um, and so we have built one rental building in Victoria that was 8198. Um, and so that was a 209 unit rental building finished in about 2018 um, in downtown Victoria. Uh, but no, we, we do like rental. Um, I think rental is a totally different beast. Um, it is a different structure um, of how you finance it. And I think the biggest risk for the capital region now is how many of these that are going through approval are actually gonna go into the ground. Um, cost pressures of, are, are gonna significantly hinder the amount of rental that's actually built. Um, and that's a true concern I have. Um, it's also an opportunity for chart because we work with pension funds quite a bit. Um, and so a lot of the, the police officers, the teachers, the um, counselors, uh, their pension funds are actually going into help uh, support the projects we're building. Um, and so that's where rental is fantastic because uh, it delivers that long-term stable cash flow. But um, let, let me unpack why I think it's going to be challenging. Um, yeah. And so a rental building, your financing is based on your debt service coverage, which means it's how much income is getting generated by that asset. 
Um, and so that number is normally pretty fixed um, because of our rent controls. And unless we're underwriting that, um, the property is going to go up significantly uh, in rent, which we, we don't normally assume. We underwrite at today's rent numbers. Um, that means if costs go up, you just need more equity to fund the difference. Um, and so because debt is fixed, so that means you need more capital. Uh, and a lot of projects, as they get bigger, means you have to have a lot more capital to actually put that shovel in the ground. Um, and that is going to be a concern and a risk item for the capital regional area, I think. Um, and it's actually which part, which capital is going to be there who wants to take on the development risk. That is a different risk than you're seeing for the people who buy a finished rental building. So I think some really interesting dynamics and, and one though that I, uh, I'm a developer glass half full, I see opportunity for chart. Awesome, man. Very cool. And I quickly asking you, do you, you mentioned about, I don't know if you would call it institutional financing, but the, your, your, the pension funds, is that a, a funding source that you guys sought out to partner today or did they approach you? That's, you don't, you hear about a little bit, but I, we see a lot of like REITs coming in as well. Yeah. Um, it's a long-term relationship. Um, when, when we partner with people, we get, we're getting married to them for seven to 10 years. Um, it's a long-term relationship and it's a lot of trust. Um, I think trust is the highest level of, uh, highest standard of, of um, compatibility I look for in a relationship. Um, because if you don't trust someone, why why be there? Um, and, and quite frankly, we, um, we do a lot of deals on handshakes. We, we deal with big numbers. Um, but we do a lot of handshake deals. Um, and the reason for that is trust. Uh, because I know when someone says that they're going to invest into us or that they're going to supply us that, um, that fixture for our building, they're going to be there. Um, and I'll be there with my check to pay them uh, for that fixture. Uh, and that's just trust, though. Um, so at the end of the day, I couldn't say if it was them or us who sought each other out. Uh, we do present the opportunities. Um, we do come up with the visions when we see land opportunities that this is what we can do here. Uh, this is what we feel is the right fit and mix for the community. Um, this is when we do our community consultation. This is what we see. Uh, and then we do pitch it typically to the different institutions. There are set metrics that they need. Uh, but no, no, typically, we are pitching ideas to them. Um, and so it is an interesting question of what comes first, the money or the land, uh, or the land or the money. Um, and it's one, though, that we continue to pivot on um, and sort of have the capital ready to actually go to buy the land. Uh, but tr traditionally, it's land, then money. Awesome. Very cool to get kind of the background story on some of that. I, I want to ask you a little bit about the family business side of things. Um, I grew up in a family business, and so I have an appreciation for it. You mentioned the... Uh, the knowledge of the capital region through osmosis and so I, it it makes me assume that there was that your your dad and, and you have a pretty good relationship and and you were included in a lot of those things can you talk about kind of what it was like um growing up in it i would say a fairly significant family business and just kind of what that relationship uh, was like and maybe uh, i don't know if it's grooming succession planning that kind of thing so um i guess to unpack a, a few of it so first off um we, we don't view ourselves as a significant family business. It's a, it is just a family business. Um, and, and so it's, but, but it's that uh, my father has always uh, led and grown to be humble. Um, be, and I feel very privileged for the opportunity I got uh, with the family company. 
um, of stepping into um, a, an existing structure and framework. But where I got here today, and uh, I would say one of the reasons why my father has been able to uh, take a breath and enjoy his success um, is due to proving myself, uh, proving it to our investors, uh, to our uh, to the communities, and then to our own staff team. Uh, and so we have um, different, definitely different dynamics. Um, again, I'm an accountant, so I have process. Um, I like structure, uh, but I'm also an entrepreneur with it and looking at how to view different risks and never make sure that we get pigeonholed in a corner. Uh, we always like options. And so I would say it was definitely the best thing my father did for me when I joined is he brought me to all the meetings. He brought me to everything. Um, he didn't hide anything. Uh, and now I have... Um, we, we have a fantastic relationship, a lot of trust, um, and a lot of fun banter. But I, again, I feel so lucky to be in a family business. Um, there's, it's a different level of trust you have uh, with a family member, uh, of knowing, of disclosing, of chatting, of strategizing. Um, it's a different level of trust, um, and it's one that I, I love and, and I do not take for granted. Yeah. Do you ever find it hard to separate the two, um, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're having dinner and you've got, you know, a project coming up or a conversation you had with a, a mayor or something like that, do you ever find that difficult to separate? Uh, I think you should ask my mom that question. But <laughs> it doesn't stop getting talked about, uh, but <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, it, I, it, there is no such thing in work-life balance. Uh, it is, um, it's all integrated together. Um, but that is, yes, it, there is no separation. We're trying to do a better job at it um, because uh, my father also knows I need the breath now um, at times where I don't want to go to their house and just talk about work all the time. Um, but quite frankly, I love talking about work. So it's, uh, it's hard not to. <laughs> no, no, I feel you, man. Um, awesome. I want to ask you a little bit about the accounting background. You've touched on the, um, on your history there in Texas with EY. Can you talk about kind of how that's contributed? You mentioned managing the blips a little bit earlier. Um, and I think, you know, process and things like that, but can you flush that out a little bit more about the, the accounting background? Because I know a lot of times there's maybe a negative stereotype at times, but people who are come from, an, come from an accounting background and leadership tend to be a little bit more hold tighter to the purse strings and be a little bit less growth focused. So I'm not, I'm obviously that has not been your case, uh, but. Uh. Uh, well, it's, it's ironic. I, this, this week I felt like um, I've let go of those purse strings a bit of, okay, I need to take the next leap. So I do have those still. Uh, I have a hard time of uh, looking at our, our bottom line of just, well, okay, I guess I'm, I'm reinvesting again back into the company and here we go. Um, and because it's all about just continued reinvestment. So the, the, there's a few different dynamics I would say my career at EY taught me. Number one, it was people skills. Um, and it was being an accountant or being an auditor. Uh, no one likes an auditor. Um, and it was going to, but you, when you go to the clients, you have to ask a lot of questions and you have to do it in a way that you, you are bugging their day to day. Uh, they don't want you there. Um, and it's okay. How, but how do you create that relationship to build that correspondence for the information we need to do our job? Um, the other one that definitely teaches you is quality. Um, the work that you deliver, um, it goes through the rigorous process that an accounting firm reviews. 
but that quality factor and the detailed nature of an accountant has greatly assisted me. Um, and uh, my team, they, they hate they hate it when I go on to site at times because they know they're going to get a long list of things. Um, although I was getting better and better every time, uh, our quality is fantastic. So, um, but like it's, I, I go in ceiling when things are not straight, when the cabinets don't have a straight line, where the draw pins on the drywall, nothing annoys me more. Um, and so it's those type of details though of why at Yates and Vivid we achieve less than two deficiencies a unit uh, when with our homeowners. Like it is. Our, our level of quality um, is something we pride ourselves on. And so that comes from the, the discipline that be from the accounting background. Um, so that's um, the other one that we, we've had growth because of the process that we put into place. And at the end of the day, we get people all day long. Uh, I've mentioned a few times now, but even with our staff, it's um, they're the ones who are driving it. It's They're the ones who are pushing it. Uh, and so by keeping the process of checks and balances, what I care about in everything we do is quality, customer service, um, and the integrity that we do it with. Uh, and so those are the, the, the culture, the mission here at Chard. Uh, and again, though, it stems from my family background, our family culture, uh, and then just the upbringing that I had in my early uh, career. Yeah, no, that's great. Do you have a, a, a moment that sticks out to you at Chard? It could have been maybe as you took over on leadership, but... Um, yeah, just maybe a, a key highlight within your time at the company so far. One memory that really sticks with me, uh, we did a tenant, uh, a, a tenant relocation program in North Vancouver. Uh, we had a 16 story existing rental building. We moved out 80 individuals. Um, and it was a, a very stressful process, very trying, um, but we did it with respect and integrity, just like everything we do. Uh, we were never in the media. Uh, we never um, had any bad press or anything on us. But locking up that door the last day, um, an individual came out. We had we had three people in that building who had lived there for over 40 years. Uh, but this individual had probably lived there for 20 years. Um, he said, I want to be the last one in this building before it lock, gets locked down. And so as he left out, I locked the building. Um, and he, he was like, I, I called Global News to be here today. Uh, it's like, I'm glad they're not here. Um, he said like this, uh, I call them because it, it, it goes to show that this can be done right. Um, that this building needs a renovation. It's at the end of its useful life. Uh, we had issues, there's asbestos, there's structural issues. There's a lot of issues in this building. Um, and this process can be done with respect and integrity, uh, but they didn't show up. Um, but it, was, it still gives me goosebumps today of that um, we can go through challenging situations, um, but as long as we're transparent, uh, we're upfront and we stay by our morals, um, we can execute appropriately. That's so great. And uh, yeah, good news doesn't always get uh, covered the same way, unfortunately. Never does. Um, last question on kind of like the business, the management side of things. Is there a leadership lesson that you'd pass on to others? Our audience is kind of in the business owner Kind of middle upper management side of things for on the island is there anything that you'd pass on to them that you've learned over your career so far i'm learning every day still and trying to figure out who i am as a leader um and as i continue to grow and as our company grows of what it is so number one is uh never stay stagnant um we always have to be learning of new, learning new techniques uh how do we do one-on-one -on -one meetings better um, as a general lesson though um 
of it? I, it's a good question. It's, I'm going to go back to the word it's trust. Um, you, you have to, my team might not do it the way I would have done. Um, and as we've grown, they, they, they run a lot of these projects more than I do. Um, but my thing is I want to get to the finish line, delivering the same thing with the same company philosophy. And we do every time. Um, and so, but you have to let the reins off and put the trust in place for those people uh, to deliver. And at the end of the day, it's all about people. You got to have the right culture. Um, and we have a, such a great staff team here at Chard who all care about what we're doing. Um, and so it's giving them the autonomy, the responsibility, um, I think is so important because like, we have such a great team here. Okay. No, that's great. Um, getting towards the end here, talking a little bit about the external environment at the beginning, you talked about, um, lengthy approval processes kind of enabling you to have a job. And I know that that's a bit of a, an oversimplification, but there are some fairly significant challenges in terms of the approval. Um, approval rates, there's the supply chain constraints as well. When you're talking maybe with your team or potentially with other developers at something like a UDI, do you guys have some thoughts on, are there on some potential solutions? Is it just a, you know, uh, a matter of fast tracking the development process? Is, are there things that other levels of government can do to, to, to help the development sector and by extension future homeowners? There's always more we can do. There is not a single answer, though, that's going to solve the issue that we were in today. Um, and I think it's, number one, it's always defining what is that issue? Um, what is that problem that we're trying to solve? Because we solve that, there's going to be other problems that come up. Um, this is not um, an easy topic or an easy solution, but we have seen success out of different programs, but they do get... Um, old, I would say, or they do um, the conditions, the market conditions change, but CMHC rental financing program, great program that is delivering homes across Canada uh, through that, uh, the rental incentive. And we saw Townline got, uh, is doing one of those projects in downtown Victoria. And so that is fantastic. Um, but so there's different initiatives that can be rolled out. I think the biggest opportunity that we could see from a provincial or federal funds when they're investing into these communities, I think they need to be taking a stronger stance. And I would say some of the blame uh, that the municipal councils get uh, for when they go through approvals. Um, so an easy one uh, for, would be Vancouver with the uh, Broadway subway subline. Um, that's a major investment from our governments. Uh, we should be seeing density around those stations. Um, and that is the right spot for density. Um, and, and so, and that will keep the single family home in those communities. But when we have transit nodes and uh, in Victoria, that is on the B line and a rapid bus service on those stations, there should be density because that is what's going to create better affordability. And I think when you look at affordability as just housing cost, we're not looking at the big picture. Um, transportation needs to be in there. Um, and different um, services that are involved in your day-to-day -day living needs to be considered when we also look at housing costs. And so this is not, this can't be looked at on isolation. Uh, we need to look at it on the holistic community picture because we don't just build buildings, we build communities. Uh, and there's so many different dynamics that we can fit into these buildings. 
So on a policy front, um, I think municipal councils are in an extremely tough spot. Um, I greatly respect the individuals who run for council because that is a really challenging job. Um, And they are the face. um, And so they should be. They are running as politicians. um, But I think our provincial and our federal government can make their job easier and free up um, good projects to be going down the pipeline. I, I do think our municipal governments um, have a very challenging job. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's very, a good political answer. Um, I've got uh, five, four quick ones for you. Favorite book or podcast that you're reading or listening to right now? Well, I, 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 play, uh, I guess this is yeah, right now I am reading the 15, commi- 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. Um, great book. Um, I, I always like to read the, the different leadership books as I, again, I try to reflect on my own style and, and how I can be more open and curious and um, be a better leader and to our team and then just in general. Okay, great. Best personal advice you received? Say yes. Uh, when you're young, say yes. Uh, you don't know where the opportunity will take you. Um, but it will open up more doors than by saying no. Awesome. App or software that you can't run without? Well, the accountant in me says Excel. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I'll, I'll stick with that answer. <laughs> I, I'll accept it. Uh, favorite restaurant at Maker Island? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I'm a morning person, so I'm going to go coffee. I, I Macchiato's. Um, Great, great coffee shop um, and, and go there often. Just sorry, I'm a morning person. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.